0: Well, it's so good to be in Texas where faith, family, fajitas, and football. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so you got a little, little sense of this. Like, I, I, I love sports. Um, I see Oklahoma. I'm glad that you allow people uh, who are Sooners to church. I see Texas A&M over here. Okay. Okay. Se- $72 million to Jimbo. Okay. We won't talk about that. Um, <laughs> We got, we got Chip and Joe's team, any Baylor fans here? No, oh yeah, okay, mate. they're Chip and Joe fans. Um, Horn Frogs, TCU? Oh. <laughs> go Frog, go Frog, yeah. Okay, uh, you, got, you got Houston? All right, I'm telling you, you're on the up and up. You're in the up and up, I'm just gonna say. Um, and then there's that little school in Austin. Okay, okay, okay. Awesome. All right, well, hey, it's an honor to be here. We're beginning a brand new series, um, but it's, it's, it's looking at the Sermon on the Mount. And I know that you've been kind of diving into this over the last few months, and um, we're, we're, we're calling this kind of mini-series Life Under Construction. Now, I don't know if, if many of you have ever um, seen Billy Graham's late wife, uh, Ruth Bell Graham's tombstone, um, but, it, but it says this says her name, it says like the, the date, um, and, and then on the bottom, if you look at it, it just says, end of construction, thanks for your patience. <laughs> it's just amazing, right? Because this is the truth. Every one of us is under construction, and we ought to be very kind to ourselves and to the other person, right? And, and, and I love it. I, I love the humanity, the honesty, the humility that she just says, thanks for your patience. I'm a piece of work. And, and, and really, really, when you begin to understand, and, and I love that you're gonna dive into the book of First John, please don't miss this. This is an amazing letter. But in 1 John chapter 3, it's like, you know, do you understand that you are the children of God? God lavished his love on you, and then like in verse 2, it just simply says this: In what you will be has not been made fully known yet. It's just awesome. Like, you are in the process of becoming. You are in the process of becoming more and more like Christ. And that takes time. I mean, the Hebrew people spent 430 years in slavery in Egypt. And they spent 40 years in Egypt. You know why? Because sometimes you can leave Egypt, but sometimes it takes a little while for Egypt to leave you. And the truth is, when you begin to open your life to the work of the Spirit, you open your life to the Word, you open your life to the love of God and the truth of Jesus, He's gonna do something. He's gonna build into you. He's gonna make you stronger, more courageous, more faith-filled, and you're gonna just become someone that people wanna be around. And so what I wanna do today is, I wanna look at a passage of Scripture that Jesus kind of speaks on in the Sermon on the Mount. But, but to do that well, I want to take you back to the Hebrew Scriptures, to the Old Testament. And I want you to understand, we, we heard this word already, but it was the most holy, sacred name of God. It was the name Yahweh. And, and, and literally, this name, And if you need a Bible, you can raise your hands, and Like the, these, these amazing people would love to give you a Bible, we're gonna be in the word. The church I used to be at, we had junior hires do this job um, for like three weeks, because they were like, oh, you got one in your hand? I'll throw the Bible, and we were like just knocking people out. <laughs> people were like, I came to church, I got a black eye, at NIV, man, it's heavy. But, um, so here, here's the deal, the, the most holy, sacred name is this word, Yahweh. Yahweh. And what's fascinating about this word is we've said it already so many times, but if you went to a a synagogue, they don't say this word. And if somebody says this word, they put their hand over their head as if this is so holy, so sacred, such power and reverence in this word. But here's even the more fascinating thing, this word is made up of three Hebrew letters, Yod, Hey, Vav, and Hey. In the Hebrew alphabet, there's 22 letters. There's no actual vowels. We add vowels. And 19 of the letters in the Hebrew alphabet have phonetic sound, like a, Be, Ke. But in Hebrew, there are three letters that have no phonetic sound. And those three letters are Yod, Hey, and Vav. The same three letters that make up the name Yahweh, which is confounded rabbis thousands of years why would god give himself a name that's made up of letters that have literally no sound and then they began to realize oh it does have sound it's the sound of breathing that actually every time you breathe you proclaim a letter that makes up the holy name of god yeah And you could be sitting with someone that's like, there's no such thing as God, and you're like, that's funny, you just breathed his name. <laughs> Psalm 150, verse 6 says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And praise the Lord in Hebrew is the word hallelujah. And yah, Luya is short for Yahweh. But here's the thing, if you can't say the name, the most holy name, well then you got to come up with other names. And I love what Kyle did, because he began to walk us through some of the names in the Old Testament. There's 70-plus names. that kind of reference who God is. But they came up with one of the most creative names, Hashem. Hashem, yeah. You know what it means? The name. It's just amazing. We can't say the name, so what should we call them? Let's just call them the name. Hashem. Yeah, strong. There's something strong in a name. My last name's Carter. And um, a number of years ago I had the privilege to go to Israel and, and Palestine and, and just kind of tour. And I was on a peacemaking trip. And, it, and and the most bizarre thing is it was actually funded by Jimmy Carter. I don't know how I got on this list, but it gets funded. I'm like, sure, I'll go. And so I go, we end up staying at this one hotel. It's like a five-star hotel. The, 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 the person who wrote It Is Well with My Soul, he started this hotel. And it's unbelievable. The, the original journal writings with that hymn are up on the wall. It's so holy, it's so amazing. So I walk in, and we'd been on a trip for 10 days, and I'm staying at different like hotel rooms, and you know, it's a hotel room, you know, just small bathroom, one little bed, um, just same thing. Well, I go to this hotel, and they give me my key, and all my other friends go this way, and I, I go this way. I open the door, and it, it's bigger than my house. I have two bathrooms, I have a study, I have a bar, which I wasn't gonna use, but like I had like a bedroom and a half, and I was like, this is amazing. And I'm like, this hotel's awesome, it is well with my soul. And like, and and so I I walk out and someone's like, "Uh, do you need anything else, Mr. Carter? And I'm like, no, I'm good, I'm good, thanks a lot. And so, um, yeah, you see where this is going, right? So I go to my friends, I go to my friends, I'm like, hey, uh, hey, uh, uh, how's your room? They're like, it's, it's like a room. I'm like, you don't have like, like three bedrooms and like two different bathtubs. And they're like, no. And I'm like, you guys should come to my room. And this is crazy. I'm like, why is this? And then it hit me. They thought I was Jimmy Carter's grandson. And they're like, it's Carter, Carter, Jimmy's on the credit card. He's probably, I mean, like, and so, so I, I began to realize, and I'm not, but like really, I started to realize that there's power in a name. There's power in a name, right? And, and the truth is, what's amazing is, is that the Hebrew people were tasked to carry the name, to carry the name of Yahweh wherever they go, to light up a room, to light up a nation, to light up a world with the most holy, sacred name. And you might remember one of the Ten Commandments. It's the fourth one. If you have a Bible, you can turn with me to Exodus chapter 20, verse 4. I want you to see this, because sometimes we miss what this is all about. Verse 7 says this, You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. For the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Okay, so what's, what's amazing is we've been taught that this means don't swear, don't take the Lord's name in vain. Okay, okay, okay. I'm not saying that's not true. What it originally means is this, to not miscarry the name. To not miscarry the name. The idea is that in every conversation, you as a Christ follower, as a child of the most high God, you carry the name into every conversation, into every environment, into every relationship. Here's the crazy thing though. Many of you would nod your head to this, but like this is the iPhone, or as how my buddy says, it's the end of I don't know. You're talking, and all of a sudden, someone's like, okay, well, let's, let's really check that. And we check it on Google, and we're like, yep, he's correct, you know, and it's like that. Here's the crazy thing. When you think about this, do you know that in every conversation, you carry all of the names of God? You carry his peace with you. You carry his power with you. You carry his son with you. You carry his truth with you. And in every conversation, you have to understand this, it is a chance to build trust with one another or to break trust. And sometimes we miss out on this. Sometimes we don't recognize that, man, I have the God of peace within me and I carry his name and there are moments when I feel anxious, i got the God of peace and I can exhale. Oh, I've got the most powerful God. and I carry that name into a conversation even though it feels like the situation and the circumstances are overwhelming. I still, or I carry the God who is a comforter. I carry that name. And you know what it means to miscarry that name? Number one, it means to forget that you carry that name. And truth is, many of us are so busy and so distracted that we literally miss... Carry the name because we forget that we're actually bringing them in, or we're in conversations, and even as we breathe out the holy name of God, yo, hey, vav, hey, what we are like communicating to our spouse or to our kids or to our family members or to our friends or people who are far from God, we're not carrying the name and the values and the truth of God. We're carrying something else. And this is how things begin to break down. And this is how trust begins to be broken. And this is how we, as God, is trying to put us under construction so that we can be the people who are the most integrous people on the planet because we serve the one who is the most integrist. And we wouldn't just miscarry this name. Now, I tell you all that because I, I want you to understand what Jesus is referencing in the Sermon on the Mount. I tell you this because it's important because in the ancient Near East whenever you would make a deal it's kind of like middle school or or even elementary school where you remember you would like say something like no no I I promise this is gonna happen you promise no I I swear like I double dog swear like I, I swear on my mom that I will be there on time and we started to make all of these kind of statements to kind of prove that we were worthy to actually make a deal. And this has been going on for thousands and thousands of years. People calling on the heavens, people calling on a city, people calling on a family member, people trying to say, I will do this because of this, X, Y, and Z. And Jesus has some words. Turn with me to Matthew chapter five, and we'll dive in to the words that are colored red. Verse 33, chapter 5, Sermon on the Mount says this. Again, you have heard that it was said. I'll stop right there. Anytime a rabbi says, you have heard it said, what he's doing is he's setting the table for the fact that he is about to offer up a new interpretation And and Jesus was a rabbi. He was a unique rabbi. You typically had local Torah teachers who could only teach some other rabbi's interpretation. But then, there were other rabbis who were traveling rabbis, rabbis with authority, or in Hebrew, shmiha, such a great word to say in the morning, shmiha, and you could offer up new interpretations. And so Jesus goes, again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, here's a new interpretation. Do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool. It's just so awesome. It's like, it's his ottoman. It's his like recliner earth. I just put my feet up on that. That's just amazing. Or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot even make one hair white or black or gray around the size if it's me. All you need to say is simply yes or no anything beyond this comes from the evil one. So what does this mean? I think in our day, we live in an interesting time where we struggle to actually be profoundly clear with one another, and when you carry the name in a conversation and in a relationship, you have an opportunity to build trust, and when you miscarry the name, you will break trust. And oftentimes, in one of the most just easy, easy ways to build trust, many of us just miss it. Because we don't let our yes be yes or our no be no. We kind of try to perform. We kind of try and please. We try and be perfect, have it all together. We try to pretend like we know. And all of these, Jesus will allude to, are masks. Are masks. See, in the ancient Near East, there were all these amphitheaters. And you probably know this. They, they, these actors, they were known as hypocrites. And they would wear backpacks. And, and inside the backpacks, these amphitheaters seat 25,000 people, like the one in Ephesus. And they'd have a backpack. And they would take off the backpack. And inside the backpack would be a different mask. And they would put on the mask. And they would perform. And a different voice. And, and then they would become a different character. And they'd switch the mask and put on another one. And truth be told, I think many of us are wearing masks. Pretending, pleasing, performing, perfecting, thinking we have to have it all together and we lose the sense of carrying the name. We put all the responsibility on us. And you know what the word sincere in Greek means? It literally is two words put together and it means this, not a hypocrite. Or literally means to drop the mask. And this is what Jesus has always ever only been about. For you to be honest, human, able to be seen and known, loved despite of your brokenness, despite of your pain, despite of all the good things you've done, but to be seen, to be seen. And I really want you to understand this is because I think there's a breakdown of trust Many of us are more cynical in our relationships. We have walls up. But when you carry that name well, when you're honest, when you're human, when you drop the mask and you're, you're able to be seen and known, let your yes be yes, your no be no, man, God blesses those relationships. What I've come to realize is there's a little bit of a mathematical formula that I've often wondered, why do people do what they do? You ever wondered this? Like, why, why did she say that? Or why, why did he do that? Or why was that his response? And I started to play this back, and I realized an action typically comes out of some sense of integrity. They're, they're being true to who they really are. But that integrist action is coming from some other place. And so what I've come to realize is identity, plus integrity equals action. Wherever your identity lies, you will have integrity towards that. And you will act out of that place. So let's just play this out. If you are, I don't know, struggling with addiction, maybe there's been some lie that's been spoken over you, and you hear it. Or maybe it's a word like shame, and you hear it. All the time, all of a sudden, you will have integrity to that shame or to that fear or to that addiction or to that lie, and you will act from that place. Does this make sense? And sometimes, even people who have shame as their key primary identifier of who they are, then they open up God's word. And what do they read into God's word? More shame. And then they act in a way that just, I'm just, I got nothing. I got nothing. But then you come across people whose identity is grounded in the power of the name. And what Jesus did on the cross, how he gave himself for you. So that you didn't have to walk in shame or fear, brokenness or pain. But you literally could walk in the fact that you are saved. You are known. And you don't have to be perfect. You just have to be human. And the people who understand that God lavished their love on them, that they are in process, can get to the end of their life and say, hey, end of construction, thanks for your patience. And I kid you not, those are the funerals that everybody's at. Because they're real. They're real. And so here's what I want to do. What I want to do is i want to help you. I want to help you in your marriage. I want to help you in your relationship with your kids. I want to help you in your relationship with your neighbors and and business partners and and people who are far from God. I want you to be able to master how to carry the name of God well. And so here, in my opinion, are three keys to carry the name well. The first one is this. Be clear. Be clear. Be clear. We live in a world right now where I feel as if there's a lot of peanut butter. You know what peanut butter is? It's just one of the greatest things to put on toast. Yes, but more than that, it's just this sticky, unsure, not clear. There's no real foundation. It's just kind of quicksand. And, And honestly, sometimes we're in little conversations. We're not clear. Your wife asks you, hey, uh, how long till you are home? And you're like, ah, a few minutes, which in guy terms means 37 minutes <laughs> if there's no traffic. Just a few minutes. Or if you're seated at the table with the family, right? And all of a sudden they're like, hey, I got to take this call. Okay, cool. How, how much time? Uh, just, just a couple seconds. I'll be, I'll, be, I'll be like on and off real quick, real quick, which literally means you won't be eating with us at dinner. But we don't know how to be clear. We don't know how to say, hey, I'm really, really sorry. I didn't know that this person was gonna call right now. And so um, I do need to take this. This is important. I don't know how, much, how long this is gonna be. You know, we, we don't know how to do that. And so what we slowly do is we just try to like, please, and little by little, what we don't understand is instead of carrying the name well, we're putting up a mask, and they all see it, they all see it. They can detect that's not true. That's not, that's not it. And so little by little, instead of building trust with our kids, building trust with our spouse, building trust with our coworkers and our neighbors, slowly but surely, we're losing trust and we're getting more solidified in and wearing masks. And we just miss it. And it doesn't feel like that big of a deal. I remember when I was in college, a buddy of mine said, hey, Carter, do you want to run um, a 5K? And I was like, no. Like, who really likes to run, you know? He goes, no, no, no. What we do is, is like this family thing. We, we run this. as like a family. It's really, really beautiful. We, like, we, we go down to my hometown, and, 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 and then we run this 5K with, like, thousands of people. It's amazing. Then, then our parents take us out to free steak, and I was like, free steak? I'm in. A couple of weeks later, I drive like 90 minutes down to his hometown. I park my big old station wagon. I get out. I, I see them. I'm waving. and It's fantastic. And, and then I see over here, you know, some people stretching and using porta-potties. And I'm like, that's probably smart. I haven't trained. I, I don't run. And so I walk in this porta-potty. I come out, and I can't see my friend. Can't see his family. And I'm being ushered towards the starting line. And I all of a sudden hear over the, like the, the, the loudspeaker, runners, get ready, five, four, three, two, one, go! And I'm like, okay, great. And so I'm just running, and I'm running, and I hate running, and there's like a 75-year-old man that's in front of me, and he's having the time of his life, and I'm already bitter, because one, I'm running, and two, he's beating me. And so like, I'm like, I feel like I've been running for so long, I look at my friend, I'm say, this guy, and I, I look at him, and I'm like, hey, man, I feel like we've been running a long time. How much farther do we got to go? And he's just peppy and he's like, oh brother, we just hit the five mile mark, 8.1 to go. And I said, I thought this was a 5K. He goes, you're in the wrong race, dude. This is a half marathon. <laughs> yeah. I sinned a lot in my mind in that moment. And I'm like, a half marathon? And I, I kept running because I'm like, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit. I should have known the shorts were higher in this race, and they were wearing shoes that <laughs> I can't even pronounce, like Saucony or something. And like, So I, I'm literally like, I must have looked so bad, because some random woman comes up to me and goes, do you need a peanut butter sandwich? <laughs> I'm like, that is so strange. And yes, thank you, I do. <laughs> I finally get to the end of the race and there's my buddy and he's just got this smirk on his face and I, I, I can't stand smirks. And, uh, and so I look at him and he, and he just looks at me and he just goes, dude, you ran the wrong race. And I'm like, I know. Because I can't feel my thighs or my legs. right? But he, here's the thing, as I start reflecting on that on the drive home, I realize, like, I thought I was running the right race. I was running the wrong race. And I think, honestly, this is what happens. I think I'm trying to make you happy. I'm trying to make the kids happy. I'm trying to make my spouse happy. I'm trying to make everybody happy. But you know what ends up happening? I'm not happy, and I don't carry the name well. But when you are clear, when you choose clarity, when you fight for clarity, to be honest, and I kid you not, people go, thank you. Take the call. Okay, you're gonna be 30 minutes late. Great. I just needed to know. I just needed to know. But somehow, we start making up other things. Like, I swear, this time, 15 minutes. I swear, I'll be there. I No, it's about carrying the name. It's about building trust. It's about being the kind of people who say what you mean and mean what you say. And this is a lost art. And this is what Jesus wants us to reclaim. The second key to mastering, what it means to carry the name well, first one, to be clear, the second one, be humble. Be humble. None of you have fully arrived. None of you are perfect. Every one of us is under construction. So you know what that means? That means sometimes you don't have all the answers. Sometimes you have to say, I don't know. You, know. you know where like, for me, one of the hardest places to go is Home Depot. I kid you not, it creates so much anxiety for me because I don't know how to work with my hands. I don't know how to build, I wasn't taught that. And I go in there and I see all these guys going, yeah, that's right, that's a, that's a Makita. And I'm like, a Makita, is that a dog? I don't even know what it is, you know what I mean? <laughs> And, and so I, I have to pray, I have to pray that some, somehow, I, and this is what I literally pray, simple breath prayer, Lord, Father, me through this. And you know what he does? He brings some incredible woman or man in an orange robe <laughs> who helps me. And it's fantastic. Somehow, we think we got to have it all together. But we're all on a journey. I know what's amazing is the Bible tells us, Peter says this, he says that we need to clothe ourselves in humility. Clothe ourselves in humility. See, in the, in the ancient Near East, there was two kinds of garments. There was one garment that you would put on, and it was kind of like long sleeves, and it, and it, and it, and it came with some colors, and you tie it in the back, and if you wore it, you had a sense of honor. People knew that you were someone. But then there was a servant's apron. You put that apron on, and you wore that, and when Jesus is at the, the, the Last Supper and he gets up and he puts on that, that, that kind of apron, Peter saw this, grabs a basin of water and a towel and he begins to wash the feet. And, and Peter's saying, hey, in all of our relationships, be humble. Be humble. And what's amazing to me is a number of years ago I needed a haircut. I was living in Orange County, and I, I, I went to Supercuts, but it was too long of a line, so I went to Great Clips. It was another too long of a line. And then I remembered in downtown Fullerton, there was a salon. I'd never been to a salon before. I'd been to a saloon, but I'd never been to a salon. And I was like, maybe there's no walk-ins. I, I remember walking into this, this salon, and, and, and I, I walk in, I go, hey, I need a haircut, and they're like, I'm like, do you take any walk-ins? And they're like, it's going to be $30. I was like, that's a lot of money, but I can pay it. He's like, $30. I'm like, I know I, I don't look very good right now. That's why I came to you, but I promise you, my bank account can take $30. And it is a lot of money. He goes, okay, just fill this out. And I'm like, I'm not looking for a job. He goes, no, 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 you just fill this out. Because when you fill this out, it gives... Our stylist, something to talk to you about? And I was like, this is going to be awesome. And so I just answered with 80s and 90s sitcom answers, turned it in, put my number two pencil down, and I took my seat. And, and then, all of a sudden, this woman from the Holy of Holies comes out. She calls me by name. I'm like, man, I'm somebody. And I get up, and she walks up to me, she firm, strong, handshake, and She looks at me and goes, here's what we're going to do. I said, tell me. She goes, I'm going to wash your hair. Thank you. I am going to cut your hair. and I'm going to style your hair and you're going to be good to go. I said, thanks be to God. And she said, all you need to do is you need to go into this closet. And you need to put on a schmock. I said, a what? <laughs> a schmock. I said, what's a schmock? And she goes, it's, it's in here. It's hanging up. It's just this black schmock. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. She said, you can't miss it, it's just hanging up, it's a black schmuck. put that on, come out, I'm gonna wash your hair, cut your hair, style your hair. I was like, fantastic, I go in this closet, and there it is, one black schmock. I take my shirt off, I try to put this other one on. It's, It's very tight. And the buttons are on the other side, and I can only button up to here. Like four chest hairs are showing. And the spirit of Tommy Boy comes over me. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break this bougie place. Like I, I, and so I open the door, and I'm like, fat man and a small man, smock. And I got to do this, right? And the one lady, the one lady's eyes who brought me back to the Holy of Holies, her, her eyes are so big, and I'm like, I'm going to break you, and I'm like, dancing. I'm like, going for it. I'm going for it. I'm going for it. And then I look over here, and the most adorable 72-year-old woman curdlers in her hair, and she's looking at me through the mirror. And she turns her chair, and she goes, what is this young man doing wearing my shirt? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I thought it was a schmuck. But here's the thing, when you get to 1 Peter, it says, clothe yourselves with humility. It will also say two verses later, to humble yourselves. Friends, here's the thing, sometimes humility chooses you, schmuck and all. (laughs) But you know what the scriptures teach us? The scriptures say it's our responsibility to choose humility. So there are times when you don't know. Awesome, you're human, be honest. And allow Jesus to work in you. I don't know the answers to that question. I don't know what the next season of life is going to look like. But you know what that does when you humble yourself? It's amazing. God does an amazing thing. First Peter 5, he says, when you humble yourself, God with his outstretched mighty arm will lift you up in due time. See, there's this old axiom. Humility, like Pride comes before the fall. When you're prideful, I got all the answers. Wearing the mask comes before the fall. But you know what's crazy? What's crazy? There's a new axiom according to the scriptures that humility comes before the honor. And when you humble yourselves in your relationships, when you carry the name well, all of a sudden you're humble and God lifts you up. Even though you don't have all the answers, he sends to you those people with orange aprons and they help you. They help you. This the first key. Is to be clear second one to be humble and third most important be truthful we are so good at dancing around the truth we are so good at just exaggerating the story we are so good on instagram adding a new filter that makes it look so perfect after we've sent it to our own little app to doctor everything up, and then we write a story to try and put out the best. Just be truthful. Just be a person who needs Jesus. Just be a person who's desperate for more of God. Just be a person who's not trying to wear a mask, not trying to be an actor or actress. You are just being a human And you're learning to be kind to yourself and in need of more of the Spirit, more of Jesus, and a little bit more construction so that when you get to the end of your life, you can simply say, Thanks for your patience. Thanks for your patience. You don't need all the fancy words to kind of swear or promise on this thing or that thing. All you need to say is, I'll say yes, or I'll say the truth. But I'll say no, because you know what's most important? It's the name that I carry. And when I carry this name that has shaped my identity and transformed me, I'll live with integrity to that. And when I live with integrity to that, I will bear the kind of fruit that truly is the fruit of the Spirit. That's what I want for you. But I know, I know for many of you, you are probably going into some environments that it's just a little bit harder to carry the name. And I remember I played college basketball at Cal State Fullerton. Play is probably not the right word. I sat the bench, but I got free shoes. But like, I remember we were playing Kansas State, and our coach told us in the locker room, he just told us to pray. Or, not really, he told us to close our eyes. And I thought we were going to pray. I got excited, and he just said, no, 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 we're not praying. I want you to visualize what happens in the in this game, when all of a sudden you make a turnover, how are you gonna respond? It became this amazing tool. And I think about that when I was writing this message, that you know what, for many of us, we're gonna be walking into scenarios and situations where we've gotta carry this name. What I'd love to do right now is just wherever you are, maybe you just need to put the stuff kind of that you're holding down, um, and maybe just open up your hands. And, and, and if you're like, what's he gonna do right now? Literally, sometimes I just need to to kind of lead with the posture. And sometimes I want my heart to get there, but sometimes I have to show it with my hands. And we live in a culture where we are achieving and climbing and grabbing and and going after things, just like the man and the woman went after that piece of fruit. But You know, when it comes to grace and peace and truth that came from Jesus, all we can do is receive. So our hands are open to receive. So God, I'd love for you to do right now is I'd love for you to think, is there a relationship right now where you are struggling to be clear, to be humble, and to be truthful? And Maybe there's just a name. Maybe he's a family member. Maybe he's a friend. Just in your own way right now, would you just ask God, give me the strength and the courage not to wear a mask, but to carry your name well. Just in your own way, just take that moment. The scriptures are pretty clear that we have been called to not miscarry the name of God, but to carry the name well. This is just a heart check for each of you. What's the obstacle or the barrier that makes it difficult for you to carry the name, to be clear, to be humble, to be truthful? in Every conversation, what, what, what's, the, what's the part? makes it really really hard be honest with God maybe it's I might not be accepted maybe it's I might look like I failed maybe it'd be like I don't have it all together maybe it's like what will they think maybe it's like I'll let people down maybe like "Ah, I just I just can't I can't receive love you know what this will do is when you can name that then you have to go back to where will I find my identity And it will always lead you to the foot of the cross. And Jesus will say, I want to heal you. I want to heal you of that. I want to free you of that. I want to go on a journey because I want you to be a person of integrity. So in your own way, what is it? Some lie, some shame, some fear, some struggle. Name that. And you know what you do? You release that so that you can carry his name. Well, take a moment. And then I'll lead us one more time. God, we wanna be a kind of people who surrender who let go, who are honest, and who grab hold of your arm. Help us to be clear in our relationships. Help us to be truthful. Help us to be humble. Help us to look like your son in every environment and in every conversation. God, we give you the glory. We give you the glory. All God's people say, amen.